you have to find, you know, a really good support team. And I really do, um, I advise that you'll find people that's going through the same thing that you are going through. There's nothing like having people that are going through the same thing that you are going through because we encourage each other. Just the other day, I was on the phone with three other people that has the same same thing that I have. And we were just, we was vented to each other. You know, we was just talking and venting and saying what we're going through. But at the end, we were able to laugh and just love on each other and say, you know what, we're stronger together. Welcome to Journeys Through Pulmonary Fibrosis, a podcast by Boehringer Ingelheim. In each episode, we give a voice to a guest from the pulmonary fibrosis community who will share their experiences and stories with us. Together, we'll hear heartwarming and courageous stories from the people with this lung condition, their loved ones, and the doctors working tirelessly to support them. I'm Daniel Sinner, and I'll be your guide as we begin our journey through pulmonary fibrosis. Our guest today is Cheryl. She lives in New York City and was diagnosed with sarcoidosis with interstitial lung disease after doctors discovered scarring in her lungs. However, through the support of her family and her faith, Cheryl has found the strength and determination to ensure that the disease wouldn't control her life. She's used her condition as an opportunity to rediscover many of her previous passions. Cheryl, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What was your first experience with pulmonary fibrosis? Well, I was diagnosed back in October of 2001. And um, I guess I started developing um, pulmonary fibrosis between then and 2009. That's when I started to develop a a cough and other different um, symptoms started to develop. And then in 2013, I went into the hospital and that's when I was diagnosed with that. What did it feel like for you at the time? I was very, I, you know, it was such a blur back then. I didn't know actually what was going on because you're just hearing a lot of things that the doctors are telling you and just to, you know, just to take it all in. But I just knew that my body was not the same. You know, my breathing wasn't the same. I had a chronic cough. I was very fatigued. Um, I was going through pain. So it was just it was so much going on at that time. You just try to handle it and pull yourself together and take it all in and figure out what's the next steps. What does that fear of the unknown feel like? Oh my gosh, you to not to know what's going to happen. Um, especially when you have the doctors telling you they don't know if you're going to make it. So it's just like you go through, uh, um, a depression or they tell you, you know, if you make it through this, this is how your life is going to be. You won't be able to do the basic things in life. So you just go through a depression and, and it's really a mental thing. It, it messes with your mind and emotional, physically. And, and you just like your world just crumble all around you. And no matter what people say to you, it just doesn't click. You're just not hearing them. You're just saying, you know, I live this life. Why me? Uh, I'm a good person. I, I don't do harm to anybody. Why this have to happen to me? And your life just crumbles all around you. And no matter what people say to you, family, friends, it just doesn't click. If you don't mind me asking, it just sounds like it was this kind of full 
from grace and you were left in this kind of pit of despair. What does that feel like? It's just, it's, it's a horrible feeling when you are down and you know, you're in despair and you're trying to, you know, you try to get it together for your family. I, I have a daughter and, um, I, I try to get it together for her. And how do you do that? How how do you try to seem like you're okay on the outside, but on the inside is is you're hurting, you're depressed, you're you're like at one minute you don't want to live anymore, but then the next minute you know I have a daughter to live for. So it's it's really something that you really have to be determined to say okay. I have to, I have to do this. If not for me, for my family, I have to do it. What was that turning point? It sounds like you, you fell into a depression that you obviously allowed yourself to be there and and come to terms with um, your diagnosis. But what was that turning point when you said, okay, I need to rebuild from here? Um, My daughter was like, mom, you're my, you're my hero. You could do this. I, I, I can't lose you right now. I need you. You know, I really need you. And that was my turning point. So I was determined that I was going to pull through this no matter what. Where did you find the strength of that fighting spirit for those people that are currently feeling caught in that depressive cycle and need a an inspirational voice or need to find the strength from within? Where do you find it and what what advice would you give them? You have to find, you know, a really good support team. And I really do, um, I advise that you'll find people that's going through the same thing that you are going through. There's nothing like having people that are going through the same thing that you are going through because we encourage each other. You know, um, I could call them or I could email them or text them and I could say, hey, you know, I'm going through this. This happened, that happened, this happened. And they could say, well, I went through this and this is what I did. And, and you know, we get advice from each other. We encourage each, each other. Um, just the other day, I was on the phone with three other people that has the same same thing that I have. And we were just, we was vented to each other. You know, we was just talking and venting and saying what we're going through. But at the end, we were able to laugh and just love on each other and say, you know what, we're stronger together. You know, we're going to beat this. We're going to fight this. We're we not giving up. We, we love each other. We're going to help each other. Go ahead and vent. We, let's just vent. Let's get it all out. But at the end, we're going to pull ourselves together and we're going to fight this because we are stronger together. So my advice is to find that support group that, that's going that you know going through the same thing that you are going through because they understand you know your family don't understand nobody that haven't walked in your shoes or been through the same thing or have the same illness they don't understand what you're going through they can't they could sympathize with you but they have not walked in your shoes they do not know what you're feeling on the inside so find that group of people that has the same illness that you have and just just, you know, be around them and speak to them and, and keep in contact with them and go through it with them. And it will make your life much easier. You've mentioned two people from your family a few times um, during this conversation, your sister and your daughter. When you were first diagnosed, how did you tell your daughter and how did she react? Um, when I was first diagnosed, my daughter was in junior high school at the time. And when I was in a hospital. 
So she just knew mommy was sick. She didn't know what was going on. She just knew mommy was sick. And when I finally sat her down and told her that I was diagnosed with a rare disease, it was like she got really scared. You know, I remember she's asking me, she asked me, am I going to die? And I had to, you know, I had to be strong for her. Because at that point, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know too much about the illness. So I didn't know what my future holds. So I said, no, mommy will be here for you forever. And, you know, I had to be strong for her. But she took it pretty bad. My sister, um, when she found out what I had, she did her research. She just, she did all the research for me. She researched it. She found out, you know, the symptoms, what to do. And she just was like, okay, you have this. This is uh, what we're going to do. We're going to find this doctor. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You know, she's that type of person that once she find out that you have something or an illness or something's going wrong, she researches it and she tells you what we're going to do and she's there to do it with help me to do it she's there by my side every step of the way what is it that that you needed to get you through so um i just needed certain people to be there um people that was going to really speak life into me really you know encourage me really to um let me know that everything is going to be all right that i'm there with you we're going to fight this together you know you're hurting i'm hurting we're right there um you know, my mother was my mother was there before she passed. My mother was right at the time when I first went into the um, hospital. My mother was there, like you know, um, she was just just to have her there and the words. And I remember her just like there was times that she just you know was singing to me, just you know in the hospital and singing to me, singing songs of encouragement, and that just made me feel so at peace. And you know, my mother she she's she was a minister all my life, so just you know, in the middle of the night, just hearing her praying for me while I'm in the hospital. She spent the night in the hospital and just hearing her, you know, praying over me. That was just such a peaceful time as well. And then I remember in 2013 when I was rushed to the hospital and she was um, in Bermuda on vacation. That's where she's from. And my oldest sister lives there and they took the next flight and they came straight from the airport to the hospital and they have not left the hospital, you know, until a week later, they spent the night. And that was something that I needed. I just needed my family to be there. It's nothing like your mother, you know, your parents being there, my father, my sisters, you know, um, my daughter was um, at the time in 2013, she was in North Carolina away in, in college. So, but just her calling me, constantly, you know, telling me how much she loves me and that she's there for me. And she wanted to come down there, but um, come visit me. But I told her, you know, to stay in school. So it, you know, just having a family there for you was just something that I really needed at that time. Aside from your family, um, before this conversation, I was looking through your Instagram feed and it's full of um, makeup tutorials and exercise. What role do both of those playing in keeping you going every day? Well, I have went to cosmetology school um, back in the early 2000s, so I was really into it, and then I had stopped for a while, and, you know, that was one of my hobbies I picked back up about two two years ago, and so I started doing that. That gives me, that that just calms me, doing makeup and, and doing certain characters and face painting, that's a hobby that really, you know, just calms me down and just gives me that place of peace and exercise. I always exercise. I used to be in the gym 
five times a week. And um, when I got sick and, you know, the first thing the doctor told me that I would not be able to do the basic things. And one of them is exercising. And that was something that really took a blow to me because that was part of, that was a big part of my life. You know, it was work, exercise, home, take care of family. And so to not to be able to do that, it took a big blow, but through determination, I decided when my pulmonologist, when I first found my pulmonologist that I have now, the first thing he said to me, and it was something like, wow, I didn't know that. He was like, we need to exercise your lungs. Your lungs are the muscle. We need to get them strong again. I'm going to send you to pulmonary rehab to get your lungs strong again. So when I went, I noticed it was exercise. I was on a treadmill. I was doing light weights, doing breathing exercise. I was like, okay, this is exercise. So, um, you know, when I was finished that course, he wanted me to go back, but, you know, you only could go back a certain amount of time. So after that, I started, I said, you know what? I could take what I learned from them and what I, or the experience I already have, and I could join the gym and start doing it. And I did, but it took me years to get to where I am now. I mean, it was to the point where there was times I wanted to give up because I'm in a gym and I could only go on a treadmill for 10 minutes and I'm out of breath. But I'm looking at somebody who's way older than me on a gym, basically just jogging. And, and I'm like, wait a second, I'm younger than this person and I can't do what they're doing. But my family had to let me know, you know, Cheryl, you're, you're fighting a, a chronic disease. You know, your body is not normal right now. Your body is fighting something. You're not going to be able to do what everybody else doing. Stop looking at everybody and do what you can do. So if I was able to walk around a corner, that was a big milestone for me. So I celebrate that. If I was able to walk the treadmill for 15 minutes, that was a big celebration for me. So I was able to, you know, take that in and start looking at what I could do and not what other people could do. And, it, you know, and gradually as days went by, I was able to do more. Months went by, do more. Years went by, I could do even more. And I'm at to this point where I, I'm kind of proud of myself. I mean, I'm still not where I want to be or where I used to be before I became sick, but I'm proud of myself, what I can do. It sounds like that you have that determination to, to never give up and to keep going and to push your body yes. um, as much as it can. Yes. There's days where, you know, um, I have a, you know, I make, I go two steps um, forward and then four steps backwards, you know, you, you're going to have that days, you know, I still have to remember I had this disease. So, you know, but it's, you know, the exercising is, you know, it's making me healthier, my healthy, my healthy, like I always say, I'm my healthy. I may not be your healthy because you're not fighting this uh, disease or going through what I'm going through, but it's making me be my healthy. You say my healthy and you've obviously got a, a very good routine in, in looking after yourself and your body. Um, we are currently living through a pandemic in 2020, which can cause more anxiety for people living with a lung condition like sarcoidosis. How has it affected you? Um, this pandemic had really affected me. Um, it, it, it just turned my life. 2020 is a year that I would never forget. I did not like, I do not like virtual appointments. And I understood that's the only way that we can have it. I just felt that I 
just not getting anything out of it. Like I usually, when I see my pulmonologist, I usually, the first thing we do is go for a breathing test. You know, they check my, my blood pressure. They take, they check my oxygen, you know, we check my heart, um, you know, and it was just totally different. Just, you know, we didn't get that, that one-on-one interaction like we would had if I was in his office. For those people that haven't got the opportunity to have in-office appointments or don't feel comfortable to go um, to see their consultant in person, how did you prepare for virtual appointments and, and make sure that you were there and ready because your consultant couldn't, or in some circumstances, couldn't see you face-to-face to get a bigger picture of how you were doing? For those who haven't been in the office as of yet, and, you know, there's some people who, who doesn't feel comfortable to go into an office. So I just say, just keep on doing your virtual appointments or by phone. But also I just, you know, encourage you if there's anything that's going wrong, you know, to make sure that you call your doctors or get in touch with the office to let them know. Um, Even if you don't feel comfortable going in, as long as you calling them and letting them know, or even emailing them to let them know uh, that's what you need to do. So, um, you know, that communication with your, your doctors is so important, especially during this time. And, and even if it's like, you know, you feel anxiety and, and, and fear, and if they let your doctors know, you know, I let my doctors know. They gave me numbers to um, people I could talk to about this because it is living in this world right now, especially, you know, you have an underlying condition. It is a fearful thing and anxiety can, you know, overwhelm you. So you have to talk to somebody. So my advice is to let your doctors know exactly what you're going through. Keep in touch with them. Um, trust me, they understand if you're not ready to go into the office, they will understand. And I believe that they will help you the best way they can. How do you feel now um, during the pandemic and how does it affect how you live your life with pulmonary fibrosis? You know, I stay in a house as much as I can, unless I really have to go out basically to do food shopping. But thank God I have a sister who will do my food shopping for me. And um, if I have doctor's appointments and um, I did start going out in the summertime, I started exercising in the park with um, one of my instructors and two, three other um, ladies that were in the gym, but we definitely took caution. We would, you know, we took the COVID test a few times. We had our mask on and we also was social distant. And that was basically, I would go early in the morning, <laughs> like five something in the morning, 5.30 in the morning. And then I was back home for the, the whole day. So I'm very careful um, right now because it's still, you know, I still get anxiety there's times I live in a, um, a complex. I'm on the 27th floor. So to get out of my building, I have to take the elevator. And right now they saying there is only a four per person, you know, limit in the elevator. And, you know, you have some people that doesn't wear a mask and, you know, you have people that say, oh, I've been waiting too long for the elevator. So I'm going to come on whether, you know, this is four people. There was one time that the elevator was pretty crowded and, I just started having this fear and anxiety and there was some that didn't have their mask on. It must be really frustrating that you have to take all of these precautions to keep yourself safe. Yeah. And yes. you've got people out there not wearing masks and not looking after you like you're trying to look after yourself. Yes, it is. 
and your message to those people? My message to those people is to wear your mask. I am um, a firm believer of that. I'm not only, I wear it to protect you. So you need to wear it to protect me. So, you know, um, wear your mask. That's all I can say. Wear your mask. It's, it's, it's very important. You know how many lives we can save and just, you know, protecting your own self as well as the next person that you're, you're standing next to. Looking forward, living within the pandemic, but also for your future, what does that look like and what is going to keep you going? I, my future, I have, um, I have hope. I have hope for my future. Um, this too will pass, you know, hopefully next year will be a better year. Um, I, I definitely have hope. Um, I'm still working to, to get better. I'm, you know, um, staying on top I, of, of my doctor's appointments, on my medication, um, just living a, a happy life. Um, I did a disability retirement. At first, I just thought it was the worst thing because, you know, you have it, society have you thinking that you're supposed to work until you're a certain age, you are a certain age. But um, that wasn't so with me. I had to do a, a disability retirement and it was very hard for me. And at first I just thought I was doing the wrong thing. And when I did, you know, retire, I was like, okay, I had it in my mind that I had to stay busy. I had to stay busy. So I was just, you know, um, just volunteering everywhere I could volunteer because I just didn't want to be that person that just retired and stay home. But then I noticed that I was doing too much and my body couldn't take it. So I had to, my family had to sit me down and was like, you retired for a reason to get better. Stop, you know, saying yes, yes, yes to everything and, you know, listen to your body. And I had to really sit down and think about it. So right now I listen to my body. I volunteer when I want to or when I can. Um, I, you know, I still work out. I work out from home and I'm just living, you know, I'm just living my life. You know, there's times when I have setbacks when I'm not feeling well and just in bed all day. That's fine. That's fine. You're, you know, do that if you have to do that. If you don't, don't feel like, you know, if you feel fatigued or you just feel sick, you know, don't, don't push yourself. If you have to stay in bed, stay in bed. But then the next day, you know, get up and do what you, you know, you usually do. I set a routine for myself. In the morning time, I get up and I exercise. That's my morning thing. And um, there's times I volunteer at my church when I can. Or when I, you know, when they ask me if I feel up to it, I volunteer. But um, there's always something to do. Find a hobby. You know, my hobby is, is makeup. I do makeup. This month was like awesome for me. My daughter had gave me the idea. She was like, you know, it's, it's the month of Halloween. Do some um, face painting, do different characters and, and put it on social media. And I did that. And it's just been, you know, it's been my joy. So I found the hobby. I've been home since this pandemic. I find things around my apartment to do. I, I basically um, redecorated my whole apartment. So, you know, that was a good thing. And, um, you know, I, I stay, I, I try to stay optimistic about my future that, you know, with the right medical team that I have, the um, right 
medications that they put me on and just having that great support from my my family, my friends, my church family. Um, my my future to me looks pretty, pretty good. As my daughter said, pretty dope. <laughs> it looks good. That's so good to hear that your positivity is is really what what's keeping you going. Yes. How do you feel that on days when you're not feeling so positive? Um, there are days where um, you would get bad news. Um, I had just got, during the um, pandemic, I had got a, a new diagnosis. You know, the um, sarcoidosis has spread. And um, that took me back. It really took me back. And um, how I found out, I thought I pulled a muscle from exercising and I just had pain in my arm and you know, it lasted for over a month. We went and took x-rays and, you know, they didn't see anything. And finally, when they did an MRI, they found out that, you know, sarcoidosis had spread to my bones. And, you know, it was, it was really tough. It, I went through a little, I'm not going to say a little, I went through depression. It was like, you know, what now? What, why, why me? Why now? Why all of this happening? You know, so um, I had went for counseling. You know, I had to go for counseling. One thing I, I'm very happy to say that my church, you know, they have free counseling and, you know, I could make a phone call because they, you know, weren't, you know, seeing people in the office at that time, but, you know, talk on the phone and, you know, I could just tell, just say what I need to say. And, you know, let I, I let my pastor know I'm angry. You know, I let my family know I'm angry. I, I feel this way. I feel that I, I'm truthful. One thing about me, I try to be truthful. I, I used to try to cover up like, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I'm fine. No, I'm not in pain. No, I'm doing fine. But now I let people know how I feel, especially my family. And by talking to them and, and you know, venting to them and letting them know how I feel, they know how to handle me when I tell them how, how I feel. There's days I don't feel like speaking to nobody. Um, they'll let me go a day or maybe two without, you know, speaking to me, but then they don't let me, you know, um, stay in that, that, that depression. You know, they's like, okay, you know, you had your time, you know, now what are we gonna do about this? You know, you're going through this, what are we gonna do about this? You're gonna fight this. We we gonna we got you. We we have your back. We you know we're there for you. What do you need? You know so, um, yeah. I I definitely you know when things like that when I have setbacks I I talk it out with somebody. So my advice is to not to hold it in. It's bad to hold it in. So you have to really you know find that support group. I I said it you know earlier and I will you know say it to the day I die. Um, you have to have that support group. You have to have somebody that, you know, you can talk to. You have to have um, people that's going through the same thing that you are going through because they understand what you're going through. And you can encourage, you know, you guys can encourage each other and go through it together. And, you know, if you don't have family, find um, friends that, you know, you could talk to. And, you know, don't stay by yourself. Never, you know, you can't do this walk by yourself. You, you're not made to do this walk by yourself. You need somebody to, you know, walk with you along this journey. So find that person. I think that's a really passionate message for anyone that's feeling alone with the weight of the world on their shoulders. As we come to the end of the discussion and we look back on your journey um, with pulmonary fibrosis, how would you summarize um, your story? 
I would summarize it like I tell everybody, I am a miracle. Um, from saying, from being in the hospital for 45 days in 2000, January of 2013, I was in the hospital for 45 days. A majority of those days I was in ICU from the doctors, you know, calling my family, telling them to come to the hospital quick, fast, she's not going to make it. From me not walking, talking, um, on top of all of that, having pneumonia on top of, you know, all of that. And, you know, the doctor saying that we don't know if you will be able to walk. We don't know if you will ever, you know, talk again. Um, I'm a miracle. And um, that's, and I always, you know, I'm grateful. I'm very grateful for my life. I'm very, um, I'm just very happy that I'm, I'm here, you know, from back then that I see a growth in my health and, and, you know, in my mental the way I look at life, I look at life totally different. I, I try to stay positive. Um, you know, I try to do things that makes make me happy. You know, uh, I stay from negativity at all times. You know, when you're stressed and you're around negativity, that's what makes you sick. So I try to stay around positive people and and try to be, you know, just a, a happy person overall. Just a, a happy person and you know, just having, just spending time with my family, doing the things that I, I love, you know, my makeup, um, working out, spending time with family, spending time with my, my girlfriends. It, it just make, make me happy. And, and this is how, you know, overall, this is, this is my life. You know, I'm that miracle. I think that's a really perfect point to end on your message of, you know, inspiration hope and positivity um for your future and for other people with um pulmonary fibrosis yes thank you thank you next time i'll be joined by andrew who has scleroderma he'll describe his personal experience with the condition and how he not only found the strength to empower himself but to also empower others on a similar journey To always get the latest episode, subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts.